0: Emmy award-winning producer and publisher of Speakers Magazine, who will show you how to crack the code and getting out there to get known. Each week, she either interviews her media friends, PR colleagues, or she just goes solo, offering you strategies on publicity, publishing, and platform building. So listen up to hear how to get booked on media places and on superstar stages. Now, here's your host, Pam
1: Perry. Hey there, well, welcome for joining Get Out There and Get Known podcast. This is a very special episode, very near and dear to my heart. Two friends of mine that I've known over 40 years. So I guess about 40 plus years ago, we graduated from Cass Tech High School together. And who would have known where we are now, like what this was all about? Both of them are still in the field of communications. One is the Dean at uh, Kathy Hughes, School of Communications, Dr. Gracie Lawson, and the other one is Dr. Judy Foster Davis, who is a professor of marketing and integrated marketing communications. But we're going to go into a little bit of their backstory, and we're going to talk about where they are right now. And both of them, we are childs of Detroit, the child of the 60s, one of those people of the 70s where Black was really down with the people, right? Black lives matter. Black lives always matter for us. And so I'm going to bring up Dr. Judy Foster and Dr. Gracie Lawson. There you are. Hey, welcome ladies. <laughs> this is uh, this is where it all started. <laughs> oh, you are taking about that. <laughs> it all started at that green and white so give a little bit of the formal background of each one of them. I'll start with uh, Dr. Judy. I'll start with Dr. Dr. Gracie. It's so funny because I wanna make sure that I properly introduce them as doctor. She is Dr. Gracie Lawson Borders, Dean and Professor of the Kathy Hughes School of Communications at Howard University. She is the incoming president of the Associations of School of Journalism and Mass Communication, ASJMC, said that fast five times, and a member of the board of directors of the Association for Education in Journalism and Mass Communication. She's also a member of the Policy Board of Howard, Journal of Communications, editorial board member of the International Journal on Media Management, and advisory board member of Blackpass.org at the University of Washington. She has held offices in the community and national organizations such as Habitat for Humanity. Given a little bit about her background, her undergraduate, I believe, was at Michigan State University. She received her PhD from Wayne State University, her master's degree from Northwestern University, and like I said, her BA from Michigan State, but she was a cast technician. Uh, Judy Foster Davis, loved Dr. Judy. And let me find her bio here, The um, she sent it earlier. And Dr. Judy Foster, again, is a cast tech, but she also went to undergrad. At Howard, <laughs> so that is like a good connection. Well, I want to have both of them on there. So, Judy Foster. I need the bio here, just a really short bio to give you the formal bio because they are both PhDs. Dr. Judy Foster Davis, Professor of Marketing Integrated Communications, IMC at Eastern Michigan. Her research concerns IMC strategy policies, historical and multicultural marketing topics, a graduate of Howard and Michigan State University, and is a member of RIM, Race in Marketplace Research Network, and serves as the editorial advisory boards for Advertising Society Quarter and the Journal of Historical Research and Marketing. She has a book, I'm trying to read down here where the name of the book is, uh, there it is. Okay, the name of her book. She's the author of the book, Pioneering African-American Women in the Advertising Business, Biographies of Mad Black Women. And that came out in 2017. So ladies, you all have really would have thought that 40 plus years that you will be PhDs in marketing and communications doing the darn thing. And how both of you guys both have that Howard connection too. So let me ask the question first to Dr. Gracie, how... Did you even imagine this was going to happen? Your curriculum at Cass Tech was what?
0: Well, I was in business administration. um, But when I left Cass, I went to Michigan State and majored in journalism, and I never changed.
1: That's it. I remember you were a very, very, uh, it's like you blossomed with that. And I think one of the mentors you met, I can't remember the African-American gentleman's name, but it was a day when we didn't have computers and we had typewriters so you know we aging ourselves but you wrote him a letter or we met him and i think at one of the the halls or something like that and you wrote him a letter and he gave you some advice because you wanted to know how to break into journalism do you remember the gentleman's name he's passed since then
0: um you're you're gonna make it escape me i know you're talking about it's gonna escape me now but it'll come along the way but
1: he was one of the pioneers Yeah,
0: but it was one of many people who were so gracious and and uh, even Judy will tell you now that we have to return the favor and pay it forward to reach out to people and encourage them to do it.
1: Yes, yes. And so, Judy, when I remember when you graduated from school, you came back to Detroit and you worked in advertising. Right. And you were working in a WB donor, I believe, at the time.
2: Uh, I worked for WB donor. I worked for what then was Baker apps, Cunningham and Cleppinger. That was at one after I left, it was acquired by DDB DB Needham. Okay. But what's interesting is that this is kind of a full circle moment for me because not only are we high, we're all high school classmates, mm-hmm. but when I was an undergrad at Howard, I was in the school of communications. Wow. And at one point I was a journalism minor, but I was trying to major and minor in the same school. And they told me I had to pick something else. <laughs> so my my major was basically a blend of communications and business. Okay. okay. And I ended up going into academia in the business school. So but the funny thing is that I'm heavily relying on the communications background because I helped to launch a program in two thousand and six in integrated marketing communications or IMC, which is marketing, which is in business plus communications. Wow. So like it's it it all just sort of came together. So yep
1: that is that's but one of the things each one of you guys gracie she hasn't stepped up for a second so one of the things uh busy busy professors busy. right professors. I
0: apologize. there wasn't anybody in the office earlier now somebody walked in the
1: office <laughs> that's okay we got you we got you one of the things too all of you all uh when you were at cast were you involved in the school newspaper at all just kind of give you a, a backtrack of maybe some of the similar similarities between all of us
0: what you know, yeah. I was at the, the high school, I don't think I wrote for the paper. I really don't. I don't think I wrote for the paper when I was at CAS. I, I, was, I was all in. I was editorial director, yeah, I, I was the I feature
2: guess. editor, and our senior year, I was editor in chief.
1: Right, right. So I
2: was, Grayson, I was all in. <laughs> <I think laughs> Grayson, we, were,
1: we were both in business administration, so we Correct. had a newsletter. I don't right. think you remember that, and you wrote for yeah. that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so we wrote for Scots and that sort of thing. Uh-huh. And we also went out to different conferences and we were always doing the. Oh yeah, uh, we were always. every. Oh, we really had the best. And all that kind of stuff. And then um, I went to Wayne State. I went to like an, a school that um, I could actually touch and feel like the Detroit Free Press, Detroit News. They were like our professors and things like that. And so I actually started working for the Detroit Free Press before I got out of college because it was right there. And then one of the things too, for the last two years, even though I was in the journalism school, I'm kind of like you, Judy. I was in advertising, PR major, and it was like I didn't know which one I really wanted to do. I said I'm gonna just try them all, and I ended up um, working for a PR firm because I said if I'm gonna, I I, if I if I'm gonna like this thing, I'm gonna decide. Do I am I really gonna like it? So I interned for an agency while I was in college and I did promotions and that sort of thing. But I really wasn't sure if I wanted to be the writer, if I wanted to be the journalist. I worked at the school newspaper. I mean, when I was at Cass, Judy, I was the advertising manager, that's what I did. And I wasn't really sure, I wrote copy. I liked writing, but it, it, but sales was always a part of it as, as well. Wow. So leaving, leaving Wayne State, went to go work at the Free Press in advertising And then I actually did like feature stories. So I always love doing feature stories. So doing this right here, and I keep up with everybody that that we went to high school with, like Ed Gordon went to, uh, went to, uh, was in our class as well. And he has a a fabulous journalism career as well. But a lot of the people that went to school with us are doing really good. Out of all the people, though, I am so proud of you guys, like the most, because being a professor, I heard like the other, Interview with it's only two percent um, of Black women that are tenure professors in America.
0: Yeah, we've got work to do. The Chronicle of Higher Education <laughs> just read a piece about that, and we've got yeah. a lot of work to do um, to get not only you know um, faculty of color and Black women, but to get us across the line with tenure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
2: it's it's a tiny, tiny number, mm-hmm. and um, you know I'm a tenure full professor, and you can count the, the female black full professors in, in marketing on probably less than one hand <laughs> it's, it's, it's tiny. Nice. And, you know, we do play a role in like the mentorship and, you know, mentor people through there's the PhD program, which didn't exist when I was in school. So I'm really dating myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I mentioned, I'm a part of a a research network that's called RIM, which stands for race in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And we look at all of these issues that look, that relate to the intersection of race and marketing. Mm -hmm. And I, and I guess we're on the naughty list because one of our foundational theories is, you know,
0: critical race theory, which is coming under attack right now. Exactly. Mm So yeah, Judy is right on point. I mean, Pam, Right now, if you check out the Chronicle Higher Ed, because someone told me about it, they ran a piece with some things that are going on down in North Carolina, and it came up. And maybe out of almost 250,000 uh, tenured associate and full professors, maybe 2% of them are black women. That's, That's not a good number right now.
1: What was it was the thing? Was it Nicole? I can't think of the the journalist that uh, was well, Nicole. Nicole Jones. Jones. Yeah.
0: yeah, Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that yeah. was under uh, a big scrutiny and it was like, did it ever get reversed back? I, I have quit following the story. Did is she? No, never... it's
2: still it's still in play. It's still right. it's still an active situation. And um, I mm. think there might either there's a lawsuit or I think
0: yeah. But, yeah. Um, it really
2: broad sometimes... some type of review is, is going on. Mm-hmm. but um, it's purely political. And we actually have another classmate whose daughter is an assistant professor at UNC in another area. So um, I'm not going to mention any names because mm-hmm. when you're a non tenure person, you can be very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's a real interesting dynamic now that when you think of an idea, I mean, critical race theory is just that. It's a theory, it's a concept, it's an idea mm-hmm. that now we've entered into this political environment where we are literally now engaging with what I call the thought police. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we, we, you start to just kind of slip down this real slippery slope Correct. in terms of what it means for you know, academic freedom, not to mention what happens in the education system. We're supposed to be engaged in this marketplace of ideas. Exactly. You know, otherwise we become a total, we just slide into a a political system that I don't want to imagine here
0: in this country. Yes, it's a very chilling effect when you try to stop academic freedom. So therefore we have to stay, Um, the both of us are part of an ecosystem that has to stay vigilant and wow. pushing past this. Um, the voices need to be heard. The ideas need to be heard. And we just can't accept anybody trying to silence people and their intellectual thought process. We just cannot succumb to that.
1: Mm-hmm. So both of you guys, um, we came out in the 70s. Were you a part in NABJ starting in the 70s? Because it was started because they were really trying to stand up for black media, black mm-hmm. journalists, trying to get black people in the media. So 40 plus years later, and you're both in education and you've been encouraging the black students obviously coming Mm -hmm. through your 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 classrooms to go into this field are there more now than it was then do is there still a need for nabj and the different organizations and is what i'm trying to say is like we did this and it would think 40 years later there will be some progress is there progress or do you see it turning back? In terms well, of-
0: there has been progress, but there absolutely is a continued need. I mean, you're seeing most recently this past year, you know, new people announced as the um, the head of CBS News, a black woman, you're hearing yes. new people announced, but it's more than that. It's sort of like what Madam Vice President Kamala Harris said, but I will not be the last. And so we have to get past the first. Yes. We should not be in the 21st century. In the year 2021, still saying this is the first. Mm-hmm. That's the, the the step that we have to make sure we push past. We can't we can't sit back and be okay with that. We have to keep encouraging people and making sure people are prepared. You know, Judy and, and where she's at, and continue to push young people and tell them there are resources and there is networking and the same thing we do here, um, because it's needed. We I am someone, I, I thought I had positions where I could show my First Amendment plaque that sits in my office. Um, I am a true believer that we need to make sure voices are always there. We need to understand the perspectives and the lived experiences of everyone, and particularly Black people in this country. So we have to tell young people, don't stop. We have to keep pushing them. We have to keep preparing them.
1: One of the things, too, and, and Judy, you went to Howard, and then, Gracie, you are the professor Dean at, at Howard. But I remember when I was at Wayne State, obviously a white urban school, and if we wanted to know more about communications, what I would do, me and a friend of mine, Claire Wilkerson, we would travel to Howard University to the annual communications conference. Mm-hmm and that uh, did you go to those communications conferences
0: it's still here we still hold it every october it was Absolutely. versatile this
1: year. <laughs> oh my god that was so life-changing i mean it didn't you didn't have to go to howard in order to go exactly. But i remember gracie going to that conference i must have been like maybe junior uh, senior rising and i went to that conference and i heard dr percy sutton who owned a lot of radio stations and things like that in new york and i remember him being the keynote speaker and he and we were there we were trying to just get a job and trying to figure out what we want to do we had a little resumes in our hand but i remember he said to, to, to the group at that time and it stuck with me to this day and julia is probably the reason why i started bart but anyway what he said he says if you he says all of you people are very bright all of these black people here your students you're great i look at your resumes and i'm just really just so proud and just astonished at all of your accomplishments But if I look on your resume and I don't see that you have given back to your community, if you're not a member of the NAACP or you are not part of like the National Urban League or anything that is giving back to your community, I will send you a nice letter. So congrats to your accomplishments. But until you decide that you want to give back Mm -hmm. to your community, I will have really nothing to say and will not be interviewing you to work in my company. I was like, oh, let me look at my resume here. I, I don't have nothing, you know, but it just shook me so that we were just so self-absorbed in just what we wanted to do and not really trying to figure out the people behind us, what they will what they will do. And so I would just remember, I went to it two or three times probably. I think I met Tony Brown there and all that kind of stuff. But that was one of the things that was pivoting. So I'm going to ask Judy first, what was a pivotal point I guess maybe in your career, not to know that you're Black, because we grew up in Detroit, we know we're Black, but what was the pivotal point of really making you decide to really write the book that you wrote or really to take a stand for the things that you're doing now in terms of um, being a a trailblazer, I guess you would say, and really mentoring other Blacks?
2: Um, I want to back up a little bit because being... A student at Howard as an undergrad had a profound impact on me in, in in terms of just giving me a broader worldview in terms of what it is that you know black people can accomplish, and I think it gave me such a sense of confidence that I was able to go to Michigan State into you know a PhD program is a research program, and you're dealing with people and concepts and things that. Um, it it teaches you to, to do research and, and to do it in a way that is objective, but also to bring forth these hidden stories and agendas, which is kind of the central point of my message, a little side story, the Howard communications conference is how I actually ended up at Michigan state, which is a weird thing. Yeah. I had. Uh, I was probably a year or so out of Howard. I would go back every year for the communications conference. And I had been kicking around in my, I, my, in my head, this idea of going back to school for a PhD, had no way, had, I didn't know how how I would do it. And I went to Howard's communications conference and there was a recruiter there, and his name was Dr. Larry Redd. He was at I Dr. Larry Red. School of Communications. Yes. Well, there was this recruitment fair, and he was the only school that was represented. And he was sitting over there literally like he was the Maytag, you know, repair man. Nobody was going to talk to him. <laughs> so I just went over to be friendly and I said, Hey, I'm from Michigan. And we struck up a conversation, and he told me that, um, well, you know, you can go to Michigan State's uh, PhD program in communications, basically fully funded. So my my ears got big like that, and to make a long story short, I was recruited at Howard to go to Michigan Michigan State's rather PhD program, and wow. you know, and and Larry Red was he I mean he mentored me throughout. And like you said, the paying it forward and some of the ones that came in after us, um, it was just really, you know, kind of monumental. Mm -hmm. But, um, one of the things I wanted to bring up in this, in this uh, podcast is this whole idea of telling our stories and contributing to and driving a narrative. Because you see, that's what happens in the political sphere, in the educational sphere, who's controlling this information flow and what gets said and what gets repeated. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the genesis for my book, because Mm -hmm. I do research and a lot of my research is what we call archival research. I go and I look at old records and I go interviewing people and I go looking under rocks and digging up weird stuff i don't do like statistical charts and graphs and all that stuff or if if you send me co-author a paper and you see a lot of statistics and whatnot that means one of my co-authors did that um but what i'm interested in is what is the narrative that comes out of that so what led to the book was when i looked at there was a book by stephen fox called the mirror makers and there was a passage in that book that always irritated me, in that um, he mentioned how Blacks had gone into the advertising business as entrepreneurs in the late 60s, early 70s, and they had kind of painted themselves into this ethnic corner. And I thought to myself, I said, well, what were they allowed to do in that space? And so that led me to do some research when I looked at how black advertising agencies developed, who some of the key players were, what kinds of things they had to deal with. And when you think about advertising agencies, the only way for an agency to survive is you gotta have clients. Mm -hmm. And the clients Mm -hmm. that have the resources are majority white corporations for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at how these agencies developed, they were developed under, I don't wanna make this an academic, Theory thing, but under what we call an economic detour, meaning that they were directed into certain areas of the business, which at that time was pretty much exclusively the black consumer market. So they would be brought in by corporate marketers to handle the pitches directed at black consumers. And that still happens to this day. Even if, um, you know, to show blackish.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And the the lead the I think the first episode of Blackish it shows Andre Johnson excitedly waiting mm-hmm. for his promotion because he's going to become the VP at this majority white agency. But when they name his position, he is the VP of Urban Marketing, mm-hmm. and he's sort of taken aback.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
2: He wanted to just be the VP of Marketing, all mm-hmm. marketing. Right, He had the skill set to do so. Now, fast forward, I think they're in the last season of that show. And he is now considering leaving and starting his own agency because the the structure and the system will not allow him to break out of that ethnic box, if you will, um, unless he does something pretty dramatic. And that's kind of, I think, where the series has left off for this new season to start up in the fall. So we'll see what happens. But that same dilemma, that same economic detour is being played out in today's marketplace.
1: And it's pretty much like what you talked about mirroring, right? Mm -hmm. So the client is white and they want to have their person on the agency side white too. So how can you ever break out of that box if you want to do what you said that the book called mirroring? They want to mirror that it's 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 not going to happen because there's no way that i will ever be white so so you got to figure out how to dig deeper into like figuring out like this is systemic racism basically it's systemic racism and and i i go to this because i talk about this every single week on get out there get known podcast i talk about the, the importance of black media and why that's important for our own narrative Uh, whether it's Kathy Hughes and what she's done, which is amazing, whether it is the Black newspapers, which is NMPA. I talk about uh, the whole thing about we have to support Black media. I have my own magazine called Speakers Magazine. We have to own our own media. This podcast is definitely owning your own media. My colors are red, black, and green. I'm not uh, apologetic about being Black because of what Judy just said. It's like if they don't invite you to the table, then create your own damn table. And mm-hmm. so, Howard University, one of the stellar uh, HBCUs, you know, all of that, they only were created because we weren't allowed into a certain space. Right. So then, Judy, you talk about in your in the in your book, you interviewed some people that own advertising agencies. Barbara Proctor was one out of Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and named some other. There are a few quote black agencies where those black agencies always relegated to. Multicultural marketing.
2: Yes, um, myself and an, another professor named Jason Chambers, who's at the University of Illinois, um, are, are the two primary academics that look at the the biographies and the backgrounds of these um, Black advertising entrepreneurs. So, my book focuses on the women. Barbara Proctor, okay. as you mentioned, mm-hmm. Carolyn Jones, who's from Michigan, Joelle Martin, who was the first Black woman to open an agency in New York City, yes. and Carol H. Williams, who was the first Black creative person inducted into the Advertising Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so those are my those are there's a chapter dedicated to each woman, but I also talk about other women in the business um and and more of a collective sense and just the kinds of challenges that they have had to confront Mm -hmm. um, and overcome and some some of their stories are triumphant you know some are quite tragic Um, you know carolyn jones she she had breast cancer and she had a second bout of it which um which 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 took her out of, of here And if you look at some of the issues, some of the health issues that some of them had and whatnot, it may have been related to some of the stress in that Mm -hmm. uh, sphere and whatnot. But these were some dynamic, go-getting women, highly professional. And in addition to my book um, and Jason's book, which is Madison Avenue and, and the Color Line, where he focuses more on the males in the business, between those, these icons and these pioneers, uh, we're hoping to do some sort of a documentary or a way to bring these lives to the Mm -hmm. screen uh, instead of just in print. I I hate to say it, people don't like to read books anymore and they want to tweet and they want to do all these little (laughs) little bursts of of, of information, but to kind of dig deeper and look at what happened we have to tell our stories look at the stories surrounding the tulsa oklahoma massacre the the devastation of black wall street who's going to tell these stories so Mm -hmm. it's important for us to tell our stories to contribute to Mm -hmm. and and run these narratives
1: this is uh,
2: if we don't do it who who will (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm. This is um, a book here. It's a chicken soup for the soul. I'm speaking now. Black women share their truth. 101 stories of courage, hope and love. And 2000 women submitted to be in this book. That's how desperate they wanted to tell their stories. But only 101 can be picked. And so when you said, Judy, th- that whole thing is it reminds me of how bold we were in our 20s. I started an organization with Portia Lockett called Blacks in Advertising Radio and Television because I was like, I'm fed up of advertising agencies being so racist. I was fed up of the radio and TV stations being so racist outside of like in the advertising realm because NABJ was like for the editorial side. So I started that to really make some change. And so the whole point of it, and I'll let Gracie speak to this, to talk about really helping other students who were struggling were like trying to break in it's just like just to break in so gracie kind of speak to what you're telling students or how students are feeling looking for that first job are they more entrepreneurial okay let me get to gracie well
0: well, judy can tell you this this is howard so it's non-stop nonstop. they know part of being a student here at howard is you do not let anything stop you that's ingrained first of all you are brought in and when you're pinned at your pinning ceremony and you become that howard bison from day one, you are told you are unstoppable. And Mm -hmm. so there's an expectation of success and Judy may have flashbacks of this, but it really is. It is a culture at the the, the, university of expectation of success, expectation of you accomplishing.
1: People. Is it different? Was it different from Michigan State? Because you went to
0: Maryland as well, right? Yes and no. I went to, to undergrad at Michigan State, and yes, we were told this is what you had to do to to get out of here, and you know you're going to do this and you're going to accomplish this. But there's something different in the culture and the DNA at Howard for students who attend here. And I didn't attend at a student, but they will tell you, you know, it's not a a if you have to accomplish, you have to know. And so you are driven by people letting you know, well, I expect you to do this. And why aren't you over there doing that? And why didn't you go over there and do this? And so from internships to working with your your faculty members, from staying in touch and networking, I mean, these students are phenomenal. I'm always surprised. I just had one who graduated, what, two months ago in, in May, one month ago in May, and he's down already. Um, doing some things and sending me stuff. He's doing. I think he's down in Ohio and panels he's putting together and things he's making happen. And he's only been out of school two months. He's got the mayor. He's got the police chief. I (laughs) mean, these people are doing this. You know, I'm hearing. Okay, this person is going to be working with um, um, History Matters, and here are the two people who've been selected from Howard who's going to be working on this. I mean, that it's a regular expectation that the faculty pushes them, the atmosphere, and I think that's what. I find in this role that I get to do is to tell people that it is the expectation for you to excel. I want you to go out and do that. So you should be grateful every moment. And when Judy says something about the narrative, I think that is something we have to take away, even from the advertising and images that she looks at and the content in the editorial. We have to own that narrative. You can't keep letting other people say, you know, if you look at some of this political foolishness that I don't want to go too far in, it's because they create a narrative and they own it. They will create a narrative that you will walk and say, this is absolutely ludicrous, but they will actually take that narrative and say, if I said it and I say it enough times, then it must be so. So I am telling you exactly, you you need to do your homework. You need to know your information and you need to have that narrative that tells what you need to tell. You need to tell these stories. You need to make it clear. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be surprised and not know what Juneteenth is. You shouldn't Mm -hmm. be surprised and not know that, you know, the Tulsa massacre and what occurred to that community. You should know this Mm -hmm. and that's, what's important. And then you should tell this and you should use this opportunity that we didn't have when we were coming out of school, we didn't have all these platforms. We didn't have a podcast. Right. We didn't have a cell phone. We right. didn't even have, we oh, didn't we didn't have computers. <laughs> we, had a rotor, we made data <laughs> ourselves. A now. We had a rotary
2: phone <laughs> on the wall. And, and to that extent, <laughs> so social media has been a game changer in that it has really democratized the communication we're now Everybody has a platform. All, all you have to do is just pick up that cell phone and start tweeting or, or what have you. And that happened in the past when you had, you know, editors that were keeping, you know, certain things out of the. Yeah, the out, gatekeeper you know, no more. Out of the discussion. And like, you know, and you see what's happening now. Like I said, the speech, I will call it the speech suppression or the thought police where, oh, no, we can't teach those ideas uh, that's dangerous. That's another reason why they don't want us to be educated. They don't want us reading because when you read, you start to think and you think critically and you start to challenge you know ideas and things that it had. That's what's happening with Nicole Hannah Jones and and the pushback to her sixteen nineteen project. Right, right, people don't want I, you I'm, to. I'm people. not saying that you <laughs> have to accept sixteen nineteen as a fact or as you know, this is the gospel as to what happened. This is an interpretation from this particular individual. We have all kinds of ideas that flow in the society that can challenge any kind of a thing, and it could be based on religion. It could be based on uh, some sociological ideology. It could be based on whatever. Um, but we come to a very dangerous place in society when we don't even want the thoughts to occur or to be articulated. That's real dangerous. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with, you know, you don't have to agree with anything. Right. That's, your, you know, that's your prerogative as a citizen. Right. However, we, we have the, let let the atmosphere is very, very dangerous. And that that's where I right. have
0: to you know, draw the line. And we're supposed to be a free speech society and we have to hold up to that. Exactly. Yeah. And and the thing about it, when I worked at the Chicago Tribune, one of the many quotes that used to be when you walked into the Tribune Tower was Voltaire. You know, I might not agree with what you say, but I will defend your right to say it. And so we oh, therefore yeah. have to say, we are not going to have people shutting voices down. And that's why I tell young people, and I will continue to tell them, you do need to read, read. <laughs> read. I great know. writers are great readers. You yeah. know, exactly your critical thinking. You have to push and get your, your your narrative out there. You have to do your homework. And Judy is spot on. You don't have to agree with a perspective someone else have, but they have a right to have that perspective and they have a right to put that information forward. And what we see now with this political attempt to shut down here in Virginia, critical race theory, teaching in the school, that makes no sense. That's absolutely no sense. Part of your free thought and your critical thinking is for you to assess information and then make your choices from there. Right. But right. what we can't do is stop you from having that information.
1: Right. I'm going to ask you, Dr. Gracie. So we went through Judy's story about how she got her PhD. That is no small feat. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep saying that. So how did you, Dr. Gracie, go about getting your PhD? Well, it was <laughs> a reporter, a beat reporter. You could have been doing that. No, It,
0: it, it was a combination of things. She's right. Certain things happen. And it, we both have laughed when she came here um, because her daughter graduated from here. Yeah. And the irony was she was like, you know, I went to undergrad here, Gracie. And here you are now on faculty. But I was working full time as a journalist. I'd always thought about going back to, to school. But when I was in Chicago, um, I decided to... Um, do my master's up at Northwestern. And I was like, this is crazy. I'm trying to go to grad school and work at a newspaper, a daily newspaper. Who has time for this? That's
1: a lot, yes. And
0: one of my professors called me in and I thought she was gonna say I was the worst graduate student that she'd ever seen. And she said, I think you need to get your PhD. I think you would be wonderful in, a, in academia. And cause I really thought she was gonna really tell me to get off the campus and I don't know why I thought that. And I dedicated, she's one of the people I dedicated um, my dissertation to. Mm. Dr. Elizabeth Dipple, She called me in and said, you know, I'm looking nah. at your writing. I'm looking at your research. I just will never forget that. I will never, ever forget nah. that. And so I've made it a point to pay it forward, to mentor people, mm-hmm. to tap people on the shoulder, to say, I'm seeing you and I see something and you need to go do this because people have continued to do that for me. And she was a catalyst. And she died before I could tell her I'd gotten accepted oh. and went back to grad school. So that's why I made sure I her as a dedication on the dissertation.
1: Yeah,
0: She saw it and she believed it and said, you need to go and do it. And Judy will tell you, you get in grad school and say, what was I thinking? <laughs> 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 read all these books? What's going on? And- uh, but it's important for Judy and I and you, Pam, to be role models. We have to remember that, whether we want to be or not. We have to make sure we, wherever we can, It's not, it may not be every day, but we do have to make sure we reach back and touch and pull somebody else forward and tell them to do whatever it is they need to do. My most favorite moment as a faculty member, as an administrator is to watch people soar. Mm, yes, who came this way for whatever reason, wherever I was working or teaching or now, and then to hear that they are out there doing what they are supposed to do. And that's my number one thing when people come in at orientation, I said, know your purpose
1: that is so cool that is one of the 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 the, the quotes that i have here that um is really like one of my my things that i believe it says we all need someone who gives us the courage to be who we were meant to be and whether it was mentors or teachers that we had at cast Uh one of my favorite ones was uh gail jones gail roberts jones now i guess it is uh but she was my creative writing teacher she was over we were we had a copywriting class or some kind of advertising class she mm-hmm. always encouraged me and so i really think about that and, and in terms of even my branding accelerator program is certain times where you'll see people that have that it right mm-hmm. certain people that have that it and they just need that encouragement or sometimes a push in the pool a push <laughs> You remember miss mccampbell in the english class oh my god mccampbell yes. in the english classes yes i
0: mean when you go back i think it's important um you know, the work that Judy does when her book came out. And I mean, I was emailing everybody, look, look, Judy's book is out. Judy's book, this is, Judy's book is out. Um, I saw her when she was there in New York, uh, when Carol Williams was inducted. I mean, I, you know, we push that. I mean, I'm just as proud of her and she may not even know it that I'm here sending messages. But that's what I think we have to do. If we, we really believe it, you do have to pull and push and keep encouraging because you yeah. just never know when that might be, the, the moment that it makes it different for someone to go ahead and say, I can do this.
1: Yeah. And and it's so important that you had someone that you, you know, at school that pushed you, Judy, you had someone at school that pushed you, but I remember um you were working at WB donor, Judy, and there weren't a lot of African-Americans there. I would think it was probably you and Kyra, right? It was like you were in the media department. There,
2: um, there were a couple of others
1: but where you, you were in media, which is one of the ones where it's kind of like it handles the money, so to speak. So they didn't really like have a lot of African-Americans here. They don't mind putting them in administrative. They put them in any other places that really doesn't have to do with money.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, well, media has to do with getting the message in front of the, the right consumer.
1: But they, you get commission on is what I'm saying.
2: No, mm-mm. You, you're thinking about ad sales, right? Right. Um. Now, the only time I, I sold advertising um for a, a a cable tv company but I started in advertising selling ads for the hilltop ah okay. which is Howard's newspaper yes i was you. I did write stories for the hilltop and you got paid a flat rate and one time one time I you saw, a, I, yeah, I, one time I saw a check that, that was I am advertising uh, one of our advertising people had, it was some good money. <laughs> wait a minute. So I quit writing stories, and I started selling ads. And it, it, you know, it was an easy sell, too. It was the only outlet on campus. And back then, Isabel Wilkerson was writing for the Hilltop. We would wait. We couldn't wait until Friday when the Hilltop came out to see what Isabel had written that oh, wow. that week. And... You know, her books are cast and, and warmth of other sons are just masterpieces. We were all we were all
1: classmates. Wow. In, in, in the wow. School community. I met her at Michigan State actually when she did her books, bu- book launch. I don't know mm-hmm. why I, I my daughter went to Michigan State, so I drove up there to meet her, the warmth of other sons. They sure
2: mm-hmm. did. <laughs> but but one thing that's interesting about th- this whole issue about the narrative
1: mm-hmm. is
2: you know, where I work, I'm at a PWI. And I deal with all kinds of people and cultures, What's literally BWI? from all over the globe. What is PWI? Um, predominantly BWI, white, BWI oh, a, pre- a predominantly oh. white institution. Okay, I'm like. And know um, you know, I don't, I don't do this work to say expose racism per se. I do it to tell the truth because mm. in my work life, when I deal with students. I deal with administrators. I deal with faculty from different parts of the globe that is not so much that they're racist, and I wouldn't call them racist. I think that there are things that happen in the world that they're just not aware of. It never occurred to them, say, so, oh, I didn't know that. And mm-hmm. so when you break it down and look at it from just a human humanistic standpoint, mm-hmm. you know we all have our stories that just have not been told because we are not, we have not been allowed to participate in terms of creating and driving that narrative. Mm-hmm. So I did want to make that uh, point because, you know, I certainly have, I have colleagues in, um, in my research associations on these editorial boards that I sit on um, and at my institution that are so supportive of my work that I wouldn't want it to, to I wouldn't want it to be suggested that there's some sort of an adversarial thing going on. It's been quite the opposite. It's been encouraging. And there's stuff that I'm publishing now that I think 10 or 15 years ago never would have got published because there is some very progressive thinking that goes on in some sectors of the academy. So I, I do want to put that out there.
1: I wanna just break really quick for for this really, I don't know if you can kind of see this. Oh, i put it on Judy, hold on. It is a picture. I don't know if you can see it. This is Dr. Gracie Lawson. This was not the yearbook. This was actually 20 years later and you and your hubby (laughs) there, Is that our class reunion? <laughs> yes, this was a class reunion, and then also too. Damn, don't put some crazy picture me up <laughs> <So that laughs> there as well, right? I hear that one right there, you and your husband. So you okay. guys, not yeah, only, that,
2: that was fine. <laughs> that, you got that's some what I'm going to say like, not uh... do,
1: but not only do you, you 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 do you um career women doing. Phenomenal work, PhD, had a career before you started the PhD. Mary, how long you been married, Dr. Gracie? Gosh, you know, I think, what is it, 27 years? Almost 30 years. How long, Dr. Judy? Uh, I
0: think I'm
2: coming up on 29. And <laughs>
1: we, we that's yeah. really <laughs> making
2: us date ourselves. I, I know, I have but to do a little married what I'm saying is,
1: is that, there is this theory that a lot of the younger women think like, "Oh, you know, I gotta sacrifice this because I oh, can't no. have that." Um, Been married almost thirty years, you know, kids going to college, going, I'm out of mentoring other kids, PhD. Uh, I'm mentoring people in my Branding Accelerator program. I probably have mentored probably like close to 5,000 authors and speakers. And I re- basically like push them out the pool and say, this is how you do it. We're going to work it out as you as you start swimming. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to let you drown. But the point of I'm just trying to make is that you're making a difference as well as also having it um. what I call holistically as well, like doing it as well. And, you know, showing up, you know, I'm so proud of the the class I was looking at in the book, Gary Hartwick was in there as well. He's doing phenomenal yeah. work as well. Yes. And when we just go through and it's like, oh my God, yes, they did go to school with us, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely, Pam. I mean you can't go anywhere in DC, Detroit, Chicago, Atlanta, New York and somebody didn't go to Cass Tech. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or they're not from the or they're from the big D. I was just on a <laughs> a call yesterday and someone's like, I'm from Detroit. No, I didn't go to Cass, but I'm from Detroit. So, I mean, we we had a spirit, we had a culture there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, at Cass, there was a, a culture of support and expectation of excellence as well. Okay, wow. um, and I, I I go back to um, what Judy was saying is not only that narrow, but, but letting people know, because I tell them, you know, you are capable of much more than you think. So yes, it's a matter of some days, you know, it, it seems overwhelming, but you just keep pushing. So you can do whatever you want to do. Be married, not be married. Have kids, not have kids. You know, mm-hmm. have three or four careers. But what I think I hope that we use our opportunities is to tell people to do it. Yes. Don't be afraid. Do it. Yeah. You know, yes, and you can it. always remember to breathe. Always remember to breathe and say, mm-hmm. I got past that. Now on to the next thing. But I, I want young women, young men to realize they can do a lot of things
1: mm-hmm. and reach back. Things. And once they are there to reach back and help other people. Exactly.
0: Well, you, you made that important point when you said someone turned to me and say, what are you doing? Cause you do, you have to make sure you're encouraged because some people they haven't seen it. They don't have it modeled in front of them. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember you are an example to people when people come up to you and say, Dr. Judy, I heard you speak as such and such. And then you have to remember, okay, you know, it's very uh, humbling. To remember that someone's watching you and you may be that example to someone here at Howard or at Wayne State or wherever she's at, who says, well, she said, I can do this. Mm -hmm. She did it. She's got this beautiful family. She's encouraged them. Um, Then, hey, I can do this. You know, hey, Pam Perry, look what she's doing. Pam Perry PR. Oh, my gosh. She's got this. She's doing that. So I do think we have to remember that we are a part of that. We are a part of the continuum.
1: That is so true. And so you guys, if I'm going to end with this last question, it's kind of very similar, but your 18-year-old self, what would you tell them now in terms of whether they should go into media or if they do go into media, what they should expect or what they should really kind of push for or fight for, I guess you would say. So Dr. Judy, I'm going to have you go first.
2: I used to have this little meme on my mirror at my mother's old house when I was coming up. And it said that life is what happens when you're making other plans. <laughs> so <laughs> you can have something that you think you want to do. Um, I think you have to be you know, open-minded and be willing to go in you know, some other direction. You might be in a situation where you think, um, you know, this is okay, but I could do better. Mm-hmm. Or you could be in a situation where you don't like what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. You could be in a relationship that you don't like. It could be a toxic relationship. And, you know, we're, we're women of a certain age now. Life is short. If it's, toxicity on a job, in a relationship, or what have you, you can just leave. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not on the plantation. We can go. (laughs) Juneteenth is coming up. If you made a choice and you didn't like that choice, fine, make another choice Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and keep it moving. And it it will come that your gifts and talents will make space for you Mm -hmm. and opportunities come to you because I'm in a place now I have to turn stuff down. I I just, I don't have the capacity. I got to sleep at some point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's just, you know, you do what you, what you, you have to also listen, you know, with that spiritual ear. Mm -hmm. Um, Is this what I'm being called to do? Mm -hmm. Uh, Meditate on it, think about it. And then if if it doesn't feel right in your gut, it, leave it alone.
1: That's it. If that it
2: feels is. right in your gut, then you say okay this is this is probably what I need to be doing.
1: And then also too, you have to find out what you don't like to know what exactly. you like. Mm-hmm. And so I, exactly. and I, I find that uh, even like when I was dating before I married my husband, it's like, okay, I'm not dating dudes like that. I ain't dating dudes like that. This and this and this. So you can find out what you do like, right? You got to find out what you don't like. So you got to I- kiss some frogs
0: before <laughs>
2: you find your prince. <laughs> yes
1: that happened (laughs) (laughs) you you have to do that as well oh my god so that's silly so dr gracie so for you your 18 year old self what would you say that you needed to do or if you were going to pursue a communications career like what kind of things once you go in it what is what is that calling about because it's it's like your career is your calling so what are you like called to do or or think that you were going to handle. Well,
0: that, that's that's such a fabulous question because you know we can't we we I would tell my 18 year old self to still do what she the follow paths that she 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 took and even take some more because you know I have lived in so many states I have lived across this country I've changed jobs so I'm creative I'm I'm, I'm a adventurer um, I will go out and try um, I feel like Judy says, you know, I've been blessed and I will tell anyone that. So I'm not going to complain. Uh, she's right. That I'm at capacity. I you know, there are things I would love to do and I don't have time to do them. people say, can't you serve on this and won't you serve on that? And here's an opportunity to do this. And here, come get involved with this. But I would say what I always said. I said, you, you know, um, believe in yourself and listen to yourself. She's right. If something doesn't feel right, you don't have to do it. And if you're doing something that isn't right, stop doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, but you've got to, I think you have to live like you can't be afraid of it. You have to be willing to try. I think I am very glad I went into not only the profession of journalism, practicing as a, a journalist every day, but also going on to academia. I had I had the opportunity to make a choice to change careers. Everybody doesn't always get to do that. So I'm. I'm really blessed to have been able to say, this is something I want to do. And, you know, once I got in grad school, I was like, what was I thinking? But, <laughs> but so I will always tell people to stretch. You yes. know, if there's something you you want to do, go do it. And if you if there's something you're not enjoying, then do something else. Mm-hmm. What I would tell people is to be in motion. Do not stand still that's because that. you don't have to do that. You mm-hmm. don't have to say, you know, I wish I that's one thing I don't want to do. is say, I, I wish I, I, I would have. I know. I've lived my life like that. You could have. Judy is right. If you don't like it, then you do something else. Now, you can plan to do that something else, but you you can do something else. But I think that as we sit now in 2021, um, there's some some opportunities that people, it's whatever they open up the door. Those behind us, our former, you know, Cast Tech folks who are there behind us in the new building. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Any young people we run into, they can do so many things. They can try so many hats. You know, I remember I grew up with a guy there in Detroit who said he wanted to be a biologist and we were in the seventh grade and I was like, man, I don't know any biology people. But sometimes I wonder, did he meet someone? Did someone push him and encourage him to do that? And so I've always said, if someone says, you know, you want to, you know, you know, fly to the moon, go for it. I don't want to go up there, but if you want to go, find out a way to get there. Right. right. Call Jeff Bezos; he's going. See if you can catch on board. Yes. But I would always tell people and tell that 18-year-old to keep doing, to keep going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. You know, stay in motion. Trust yourself. You know, believe in yourself. When you hear that voice, as Judy said, said, this one, this trail may not be for me. Then change the trail, but don't change you. Make sure you. Right you grow and then you have to breathe. I think um, as three black women here who are successful and have so many, we, we do have to breathe. We have to take care of ourselves. So mm-hmm. we do have to remember that. That's we true. have to take That's
2: care true. of ourselves. Can I mean, one, one last quick thing about the 18 year olds? They have so much power in their hand, mm-hmm. this, this technology. And yes, my mm-hmm. cell phone does have HU, you know, sticker <laughs> on it. That's a it was a culture. You know, <laughs> They have so much power in these devices and look at, you know, what Darnella Frazier was able to yes. bring forth through this technology It's so powerful. Some people think it's evil, but it's just a tool. No, it's just it's just how do you use it? They can use these to start businesses. Yes. They can use these to just tell their own stories, to put out a positive, encouraging, narrative they can do so much with this technology so if, if if there are any 18 19 20 and up year olds that are just have embraced this technology and can use it better than i can mm-hmm. then grab hold to that and, and carry it forward
1: oh. that is good i remember at uh, around 15 16 i think we had an assignment in, in it cast one of these assignments the teachers gave us, like write out your goals And so what did you want to do at 16, 17, 18? I think I could only go up to like age 40. I I couldn't even think like what I would be doing beyond 40, right? So it was like at a certain age, I was going to get married, this and that. And I found that paper not too long ago. But one of the things that I said at 30, I wanted to own my own ad agency or PR firm. I hadn't even worked. I hadn't gone to college yet. But it was something that I remember reading a book on the way to high school. It was called The Rosemary Touch, written by a lady named Louise. Wise, Lois wise, I believe, who did have a PR firm in Ohio, a white lady, and she was about copywriting. and And I just thought that would be so interesting to have an ad agency and and she was like a writer and she was a creative director. And that was something that was stayed with me for a long time. I never met anyone that was in advertising at that point, just from that little novel I was reading on the on the Hamilton bus on the way to school. But that was something that I did. And so, like you said, when you were at the Hilltop and you started selling ads and you were saying this was good money, when I was working at the Free Press and selling ads, I was like, this is really good money, you know, <laughs> for, for being a young person. And eventually it wasn't really what I wanted to do, but the skill set It sparked, it sparked. Cause Pam, you yes. you said it when you mentioned being at the
0: Free Press, and I'm gonna forget his last name, who introduced me to Al Fitzpatrick at the Night Ritter Paper, Akabrikan Journal in Ohio. Those are the chains of things that occur and you do one thing and you do the next. And he says, you need to talk to Al Fitzpatrick. There's an opportunity to be a journalist there, a reporter this summer.
1: What if it On was the- Greg Huskinson?
0: And um, and Greg was there. i you know, was okay. in, you know, in touch with Greg. But my 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 point is, is you keep pushing yourself. You keep telling mm-hmm. yourself you can do different things. And I've watched you, Pam. I've known things you were doing, even if I wasn't there. Um, and so, because like I said, I've lived in so many states. It's almost hilarious the license plates that are in the garage. But <laughs> what that also meant was I got exposed to different people. Yes. What you know, you you say when it comes to images, Judy is talking about when it talks about the the ads and the images and messages that are presented, that's when you learn and you grow and you keep finding different ways that people connect to talk about and do things by living in all of these different places. You know, being in Texas right now would be... I'm glad I have moved from Texas. That would be a little bit different right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Living in all these places, you got to know different perspectives and understand people's lived stories are important. We have to tell people to make sure they tell their lived stories because that's what helps shape them.
1: That is that is. Well, ladies, I want to just thank you all for just coming on today. We've been trying to tackle you guys down for like three or four <laughs> weeks. So I know you're busy, graduation, this and that, and earn PhDs. Dr. Gracie, Dr. Judy, I am so excited to just talk to you guys and, and and knowing that you're just getting started in like the really next phase, right? In that second half, right? is just really getting going and doing other things as well and just keep inspiring people you know, Dr. Judy, you're inspiring people. Dr. Gracie, you're inspiring people. You're helping to push. If there's anything that I can do, um, let me know. Um, If you have people that are just wanting to get into the speaking realm or write books, I've got Speakers Magazine here. He says, talk to that lady. Let's (laughs) go in Detroit. You know, she'll help you. And I think, Judy, you have recommended a couple of interns and things like that to me as well. And, um, you know, if they could take it they can they can intern with me because I'm tough it's like okay you got to be able to do this but anybody that you recommend is always top-notch always top-notch because you see something in them and you say okay you want to do this check it out you know check it out and work with with Pam you know so just thank you all so much for joining me today because this has really been good you know I stream this in our class in our class uh, group so it, it is going over there right now so so uh-huh. you'll go back in there uh-huh. and see <laughs> you'll see some comments and things like that. There is one guy that always talks about daily cast tag moan. And you know who that is, right? He's always talking about the Alex, group. Alex Kimbrough, who oh, you know. You know he, in my he, neighborhood. You know he's on it. He's on it. He works at yeah. he works in broadcast. He's been there 30 okay. years as a broadcast uh producer. Yeah. So yep. really, really good. So you guys have a good rest of the day. Thank you all Same for your. And for those of you who want more information, they'll be in the show notes because I'll put their bios and their pictures in there. So if you want to get in touch with them and even just learn a little bit more about what they do, um, they'll be in the show notes. So I am Pam Perry and I am out. Thank you. you.
0: You've been listening to the Get Out There and Get Known podcast brought to you by PamPerryPR.com where you'll get insider tips on how to build your platform, pitch the media and promote yourself with confidence. Head over to PanPerryPR.com and get the exclusive video training on the seven must-have marketing materials you need before you pitch. In order to be considered in media places or superstar stages,
1: PanPerryPR.com, where you help you shine like a superstar.